welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and today I'm on a Zoom conversation with my friend Kelly Henry. So, Kelly, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for carving some time out of your day to be with me today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Ben. I'm excited to be here. So, you and I are um, friends, uh, and uh, we kind of met through other friends, but you're also um, a part of my uh, friend network because of being part of our our faith community and a part of our congregation at the Basha United Church. And I'd love to um, to have you share a little bit of your story of sort of how you came to be um, part of our church family. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, we'll start with recent history and then as our conversation progresses, we'll see how far back we get. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so I went to do my first degree in Camrose. Uh, I'm born and raised Albertan, but I've lived in six cities in 28 years. Big, big family, RCMP family moved a lot. And I, of course, being in Camrose, drove past Bashaw all the time from Red Deer and, and kind of had it on my radar and then heard about all the musical theater that's done there. And of course, kind of connected to Robin first as a composer and then second as a minister and when Andrea moved to Bashaw of course I like to think I'm a good friend so I came and visited her plus she has all those furry creatures that make me very happy I like to be the fur aunt who comes and brings treats and I as an adult have kind of struggled to find a congregation uh place of fellowship a like group of spiritual people who I can like be on the level with and Andrea has been one of those people which is amazing and we come from different backgrounds different upbringings to some extent and when she started going to church in Bashaw and she started going to United Church I was like hey that's that's my people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll, I'll come with you to church and let's listen to Robin and see what he has to say. And, you know, heard a lot of ministers. I got four ministers in my family. So I've heard a lot of different styles of preaching and really gelled with the way that Robin talks to the congregation, both in like the formal setting and then also just, you know, in person and online and through blogs. And I was able to engage in my faith in a very 21st century way as an adult, which is different than how I engaged with it as a teen and as a kid. Mm. And, you know, at this point I had moved to Edmonton, I got married. Uh, My, my partner and I, um, he's an atheist. I'm clearly not. So we, we have some fun discussions every once in a while, but he's always been very supportive of me trying different churches and and hanging out with different people. And, in Edmonton, of course, you have a plethora of places to choose from, but I just, I didn't have that church family, that, that social piece. Like I could go to church by myself, but it always felt a little bit sad (laughs) and people are welcoming and people are lovely. But when you go to a place where you already know people, And then they introduce you to more people and you're just immediately welcomed and loved and accepted and knew that was what coming to Bashaw felt like as a visitor. And then the the idea kind of came to my head that I've been going to Bashaw, maybe having church four, five times a year. I've worshipped more in Bashaw as an adult than I have anywhere else. (laughs) And I might as well just like put a ring on it, make it official. Let's, let's transfer my membership. And, um, people were laughing at me because they're like so and and this was in the fall when was that was that this summer um I think I think it was the fall last fall yeah yeah so like six or seven months ago ish yeah there ish and and at the time I had just accepted a job in Red Deer but was still living in in Edmonton and going to church in Bashaw and people were like you really love Alberta. Like you keep <laughs> traveling. And I'm like, yeah, some people would not call that smart, but um, I, it just, it felt really right. And, and to have kind of that moment of realization that it's, 
it's so easy. I just, it was, it was literally, I had the thought I messaged Robin that same night and was like, Hey, can I transfer my membership? And then within a week it happened. And it was just, there was no second thoughts about it. That's awesome. So obviously the, um, and I, I can only assume that your experience was somewhat similar to mine in the sense of just that sense of belonging that you described and welcomeness and, um, and warmth. I've experienced that. I've heard lots of other people describe that feeling with our, our congregation. So I, I think I know what your, what your uh, experience was to some degree, but kind of describe for our community listening, what was, un- what was so unique about it? Because I don't know that people would expect that. Oftentimes when we think of like really small town churches, right. you think of things being a little bit more conservative, a little bit more old school, um, a little bit more, exactly. you know, tight laced and not quite so open. So was that surprising <laughs> for you? And what was it like, like when you first came to Andrea's church here in Basha? Yeah, I, I've only ever lived in cities and my, my grandfather's, um, they preached in rural congregations, but that was in the seventies. So I obviously was not here. And when I came yeah, to visit Andrea and to to go to Bashaw Church for the first time. And, and again, this would have been 2015, 2016, I don't remember. And the first thing I saw was this amazing rainbow sidewalk. And I was like, this is awesome. Like just visually, this is beautiful. And obviously, as as someone raised in the United Church and we think about um, the rainbow and God's promise, and I'm like, all right, so that's like usually like a subtle thing that like if people include a rainbow in their church decor, it's usually like related to Noah. But bam, here's this giant sidewalk that's like, okay, clearly this church is, uh, you know, on its way to being affirming or or to showing people that they are um, welcoming to people of different sexual orientations and different gender identities. Yeah, and it's, it's a pretty big and bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah. So for and anyone I, I, who hasn't seen our, that, um, that beautiful image, we have like this giant concrete ramp leading up to the entrance of the church in Basha. There's a big flower planter with our sign in the center of it um, and handrails along both sides, but it makes like a big kind of V up towards the the main entrance. And it's, it's all, it's a, it's a really large and very bright, vibrant rainbow. And it is an intentional uh, expression of our um, affirming of us uh, being on, on a journey towards being in an affirming church. So, um, so that's what you're, what Kelly's talking about here. So, sorry, continue. Yeah, that's great. It also makes a really great backdrop for uh, pride posts on Instagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I, when I, when I came last June I think it was during pride I was like okay I gotta I gotta like lay down on this thing and and take a selfie with it somehow um (laughs) and and you know there's there's different as as a queer person there's different things you look for in the world to kind of read between the lines either with with people organizations or uh, places and to have something so overtly accepting and I knew exactly what it was for and and knowing that the United Church has gone through a a really fabulous process for decades to welcome LGBTQ2S plus people I was like okay this this is a rural United Church but it's still a United Church and it still has the same values that I grew up with and that my family has instilled in me, you know, extended family across Canada. And then every United Church I've ever gone to, I've always had the thought, okay, like as an organization, I know that this is a place that will accept me. And then, you know, there's, there's that little sign on the front of the church. Um, What does it say? We'll take anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Which, (laughs) to me all are welcome here yeah yeah and the the will take anyone part always like I hear it in Robin's voice because he's got that kind of like dry humor and again it's just like it's it's clear coding and you know I've I've gone 
especially when I was kind of looking for different communities of, of spirituality in Edmonton and people say, Oh, I love this church. I love that church. And if it wasn't a United church, I had to go to the website and dig deep and look, okay, what, what does their faith statement say about gay people? And if there isn't something on their website that is clearly accepting, I'm, I'm not going to go worship with my friend because, mm. and, and then that, that limits my ability to, to have spiritual wellness. And, and as an adult, I felt really starved because I went from going to church every Sunday with my parents, my brothers ditched us a long time ago. And, you know, I, I kind of, I had friends and, and, and cameras at Augustana, you know, we talked about spirituality and religion and sometimes we went to chapel together, but again, it was, it was a Lutheran background, which I wasn't as fluent in. So I, I wasn't super involved in cameras. And then when I moved to Edmonton, yeah, it just, it became kind of lonely to be spiritual. And, and a lot of my husband's friends who I was meeting um, were also very atheist and mm. liked to debate spirituality and religion. But the the idea of me being an intellectual and believing in science and and being someone who's gone to post-secondary but still believing in faith that it just wasn't the right group of people to to mm. talk about it with and it and it didn't feed my soul in the way that I needed so when it kind of this kind of organic thing happened just from visiting Andrea and you know, we were young and early twenties, so we would stay up late. And then Sunday, I'm like, do you, do you want to go to church? Like it's, <laughs> we had a late night, like we were watching a lot of Disney movies last night. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all Cause, crazy. Hey, cause you know, you watch a scary movie and then you got to watch a Disney movie immediately after. So that when you go to sleep, you don't have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes I'm a grown up. Makes, there's a lot of logic there. <laughs> But then at that point in the morning, it's like 3 a.m. And you're like, yeah, we're going to church tomorrow. Yeah, okay, here we go. Well, fortunately, we are a church where you can walk in the door um, in pajamas if you wanted to or with your hair not done or it, none of that matters. Like, <laughs> I, it, it really is kind of remarkable that in this little um, village, essentially, like Basha is less than a thousand people. Um, for most of the people in the world, you'd call that you know, not even a town, but really just a little hamlet or village. Mm -hmm. And yet we have this congregation with the leadership and the community and culture that has been built that we we do accept absolutely everyone. You can walk in the door, doesn't matter how you look, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your um, gender orientation or sexual preferences are. Uh, none of that is really relevant to building relationships that are ab about worship and about um just fellowship together mm -hmm. so um and and really you you experience that from you know our kids are uh five eight and almost ten years old and like there's so there's kids in the church that you have that uh just that open no questions asked kind of love um yes between and for anyone but all the way up to our seniors who are just like so accepting and we've had guest uh speakers come in and talk about um, uh, talk about everything from uh, transgender um, journeys to um, what else? Well, just our our whole experience of uh, as a church making the decision that we want to be an affirming church that has opened up opportunities for us to bring in people to speak on those topics. Exactly. And and, and you know, there's the seventy and eighty year olds are sitting there in the pew right beside the twenty five year olds and exactly. the ten year olds listening to these things and and hearing these guest speakers and welcoming them warmly. Um, so I'm really proud of it. and so it's it shouldn't be too surprising that you have um, wanted to make this your your church home. But I just think it's really cool that it's happened in such a small town. Um, Me too. so, one of the things that's going on kind of in the background of all this that I was thinking is kind of relevant to this conversation is that rural churches in Canada and I mean, most of the world um, are really struggling. And we know that in, across Alberta right now, rural uh, congregations within the United Church 
are kind of on the decline. Many of them are struggling to have a full-time minister or mm -hmm. struggling to maintain um, a, an aging building. And totally. with a dwindling sort of congregation and the offering plate getting uh, lighter and lighter over the years. And so all of a sudden we're thrust into this time of uncertainty with the COVID pandemic. And a lot of churches haven't been ready. We're just not ready to sort of pivot or reposition themselves to stay um, relevant or to be able to offer services through online. Mm -hmm. you're, you're a teacher, Kelly, so you know all about pivoting to <laughs> online um, platforms and online pivoting, delivery. Stumbling, of tripping, you know, there's yeah. lots of verbs we could use. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've had some of that too. But um, one thing that that was really in our favor and so fortunate is that we started doing live streaming with our Rising Spirit ministry three years ago. And so with Robin uh, traveling back and forth between the Bash United Church and the Pinocchio United Church, we already had the platform and the, the processes and the technology in place to have our, our Sunday morning services through YouTube and on Facebook. And, um, and so that's been really cool that, that we've been able to just fairly seamlessly um, transition into this online world of doing church and it's actually growing where we're, we're having people join from British Columbia and um, distant parts of Alberta and other provinces totally. as well joining us on Sunday so um, so that's been really cool but and it's it's something that has up appealed to me since since I first started being a visitor and then being a member because mm. again if I'm not visiting Andrea, <laughs> but I was still in Edmonton, I could still go to church. And and that idea of having a community, but not having to be physically in person, it's like, oh, well, that saves me, you know, a tank of gas. <laughs> but yeah, totally. also, it's it's still the people I know and the people I love and, and the, the hymns that I'm used to and the scripture that mm. I'm used to. And, you know, I, I tried a couple other online churches i know um mcc toronto had some online stuff but i don't want to wake up for ontario times like <laughs> you're kidding you heard me talk about the disney movies that hasn't changed <laughs> so so then trying online church in edmonton and then moving to red deer with my partner and like we wanted him to move here before like worst case scenario the highways closed down and we didn't want to be living in two cities but I could still go to church during crisis. And again, so vital for my spiritual health, which connects to all of my other aspects of health. And, you know, I could bring my cat to church, which to Robin's chagrin, but. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be cringing. Robin, Robin hates cats and beets. Or I think is, is too... Which I love both. I literally have a can of like sliced beets waiting for me for supper. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So back to this idea of, of kind of discovering this um well for a disney reference a diamond in the rough like having this gem of a church congregation um out there in in these rural um, places that you just kind of stumbled upon it is amazing that that um we're able to just ex accept anyone who comes and and joins us but now also reach out and grow that uh, online community of faith with the live streaming my, exactly. my heart really goes out to the churches that are not um, able to for whatever reason make that transition to online delivery right um, because it, it's something that we do all need for our spiritual health like you talked about it's it is a part of that hierarchy of our needs right mm -hmm. to take care of our mental and emotional and, and spiritual well-being we need that form of connection and it's not quite the same when you can't hug everyone and you can't, and I mean, even when we do get together again in person, maybe you, there's going to be that uh, gradual transition where maybe we're able to get together in small groups of 15 right. or so people and then larger, and then maybe we're able to get together, but we're still not supposed to hug and touch and share yes, food right. and, and all of those things. But Oh, the, we, the food thing. That's oh, like a vital church thing. Like so, we got to have coffee time. Yeah. And um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a central piece of, of gathering right um, we for Easter um, through our live stream Robin actually said you know what we're going to do communion <laughs> and so we had our little pieces of bread cubed and cut yeah. on the 
on the dining room table and the grape juice <laughs> with the kids and they were so excited. And so there's ways that you can be innovative and there's ways that you can think outside the box and still make those connections happen. But for me, it's awesome to hear from you that, that you feel like you're having church with us, even if it is just on YouTube, even if you're in yeah. Edmonton or if you're in Red Deer. In my um, living room. In your living room with your cat. So I don't know if there's any other thoughts that you have to share on this idea of how churches are able to, like, how is it that we stay relevant um, not only in the light of, of the COVID pandemic, but also just in the light of rural churches already were struggling and right. already struggling to find, um, to maintain a sense of relevance to millennials, to people moving into the 21st century, to people of more dynamic and, and differing uh, backgrounds and beliefs and gender and sexuality and orientation and all of those things. What what do you think? The the first thing that comes to mind, and, and as Ben's been saying this, I've been nodding because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, something that I think another reason I struggled when I kind of became a young adult is, is this idea I felt pressure from other generations in the urban communities I was in that, oh, young people are the answer. Mm. And that's simply not true. The church community like you said, there's people in their seventies, there's 10 year olds and like someone like me, like I, I don't have kids. I don't want kids. So I'm, I'm just coming in just me. I'm a plus one and that's it. So <laughs> we need to think about bringing generations together. It's, it's not that, Oh, we're going to pass the torch on to the next generation. It's that we're doing things that involve people from different levels. So if you, if you're running a Bible study, that it's it's not just at you know Tuesday at 10 a.m. when some people are working and retired people aren't, right? Mm -hmm. Like how can we kind of run events that that appeal to all ages and stages and bodies, but you know have kind of multiple access points. And and I know different churches have tried things like young adult night. Well, that that only works if you have. 20 young adults in your congregation so when when you think about it from that that rural perspective when I, when I think about the different like the the things that happen outside of church not mm. just Sunday morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> th those things are happening online they're happening through musical events they're happening through um like the the what's what's the Sunday where Robin blesses all the pets Oh, the blessing of the animals. Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 stuff like that, you know, might be a little bit different. Bringing bringing your pets to church, or having you know camping Sunday on the grass the one year where we all were in our lawn chairs. Yeah, and that that appeals to those those different stages. And I think that idea of we we play together, we we you know worship together, and and we can find camaraderie and it, I, I can sit down beside somebody who's 70 and have a conversation and sit down beside someone who's 10 and have a conversation that really speaks to like the friendliness in mm -hmm. Bashaw and and also the just the 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 ease and the comfort that people have with each other because you know I've I've gone to churches where you go in you know a couple people give you a nod and then you leave after the service and you know what happens it's not necessarily the way people want things to go but yeah in in a, a world that's that's on the go and and technologically driven we we can't just do things the way they've always been done so maybe mm. yeah maybe you have a church service on youtube maybe you have a a blog that people follow and comment on maybe you have um you know story readings at different times throughout the week just because that's going to be accessible to your particular congregation yeah it's, i'm not going to solve the entire problem sorry no but these are awesome <laughs> ideas and so um like totally part of of that puzzle right and it's it's also it's not about the tools that are in the toolbox or the um the apparatus or whatever you're using for communication for staying relevant it's how you're doing it and what are you using it for so 
you know, a, a struggling church just saying, well, like, we need a website or we need a Facebook page. Well, yeah, you might, that might help, <laughs> but what are you doing with it? How are you using those tools to build community? How are you exactly. using those tools to express intentional inclusivity um, and, and make it known to, to people who, who have never experienced your, your community that you yeah. are affirming, that you are inclusive, that you're welcoming and what you're about, what your values are. It, it needs to be specific and it needs to be explicit because if, if you're trying to be general, right, you're trying to appeal to everybody, that's impossible. And, mm-hmm. and that's something, of course, like I know as, as a musician, you know, you're not going to write a song that everybody likes. doesn't matter how high up in the charts mm-hmm. you are. There's going to be people who don't like your music. So, you know, I, I, I just think about, you know, I, I talked to a marketing consultant once, you know, how do I, how do I get more clients? How can I teach more piano lessons? If we think about it from the church perspective, like how can we get more butts in the seats? Well, maybe it's not about the seats. It, it's about the butts, but maybe it's not about a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you can be specific and be like, this is who we are. We are a rural congregation. We're affirming. We, we want to do you know, a variety of activities in the community. We want to give back. We want to connect young people to old people and middle-aged people. And, and we want you to join us and to try it out. And, you know, if, if it's online, if it's in person, if it's a different medium than we're used to, that's cool. Give it a shot, you know, try, try anything once. Mm, Well, I think right now people are way more open to trying something new than we've ever been as a culture or as a society before, purely out of necessity, right? Exactly. Like, you know, you, you think about how overnight grocery stores transitioning to um, click and, and collect, and some, some have already had already been doing that, but um, a lot of stores offering curbside pickup right. or online, online ordering, online catalogs that uh, a week ago didn't exist. Yeah, uh, restaurants doing takeout and and curbside pickup or delivery that you know the week before hadn't even thought about that business right. model. Yeah, um, teachers like yourself all of a sudden teaching through Google Classroom or um, church boards having meetings on Zoom. Yeah, and yeah. so and <laughs> including people in that older gram- demographic who've for years said I don't do technology, I don't do computers, <laughs> and then you know all of a sudden literally overnight they're joining Zoom meetings and and using these, um, these tools because you just, you have to. Yeah. So the, it, the infrastructure is there. Like it's, it exists in our world where, you know, it's, it's crazy when I think about, you know, if this had been 10 years ago, I mean, I remember oh, yeah. using Skype 10 years ago and it was clunky. Like it was not good to even do three people. So yeah. I just, I'm, I'm really, you know, appreciative that our, our inventors and our innovators have brought the world to this place where we have kind of these bones to be like, okay, we have these technologies, let's use them. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you have the privilege and the money and the, and the infrastructure that's there, give it a try. Yeah. And I totally acknowledge that that is not the case everywhere in the world right now. And exactly the people that I, like we have, there is a lot of privilege that we um, in, enjoy to be mindful of and to be aware that, you know, when we're um, feeling frustrated with our bandwidth or our <laughs> upload and download speed not being exactly what we would like it to be, oh, remembering yeah. that there are millions of people who are, are just not even sure how they're going to eat tomorrow or today um, and have way bigger issues than the things exactly that, that we have to struggle with with uh, you know the learning curve of adopting new technology or and and some of those people are in our backyard yeah and that's, exactly it's that's not something just the other that side of the world like as as a teacher I've been really intent on on checking in with my students and not all of them are comfortable turning their cameras on and that's fine like if if you're shy that's good but it definitely makes it harder for me to check people's wellness and and just you know i i ask the kids did you have breakfast today you know who's at home with you are you reading uh and you know we we sent technology home but it's yeah it's something that that makes you think okay as as a steward of this world and i want to be able to to help those people in my backyard 
Mm. Where, where do I start? And, and for me, it's okay. I know these six kids that I need to check in with every day. And that's, Mm. that's what I have in control. And that's, that's a big thing. And that's, that's something of course that I've talked about in therapy a lot. What do I have control over? I can't control bandwidth. I can't control upload download, but I can send that kid a message. I I can Mm. send my, my mom a message. I can, you know, if, if I'm having a good internet day, I can go to online therapy and, and have that capacity to care for myself. But yeah, it's, it's, so challenging to think that there's so many moving pieces in this pandemic and and when when you bring it back to what what do i need to do to take care of myself and nourish my soul and and finding connections beyond just sending a text maybe having you know sunday morning youtube church is is that routine that i need to set my week off on a good start and, and to know that I'm going to have enough to give to my students and, and to my family members and to myself. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful, Kelly. I'm so glad that it, it means that for you and has that impact in your life and then dominoes into you impacting those kids' lives. And, and then it impacts the people in their world. And one um, butterfly. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I, I was just thinking as you were talking about, some of the unique um, distinctions between life in rural communities and in bigger cities. And that's kind of been a a thread through this conversation for us today. Uh, I was reading something about, um, no, sorry, it was on a a CBC kind of radio, uh, short radio documentary where this woman was talking about um, this little mini community that had formed in her Skyrise apartment building. Okay. And I don't remember which city it was in. It might've been somewhere in Toronto, but in any case, let's say she lived on the seventh floor and she realized that she had never really gotten to know any of her neighbors on yeah. that, just, just on that floor of her building, let alone the other, who, however many floors, <laughs> floors there were, and let alone on her block or let alone in her yeah. neighborhood. There isn't that sense of community. It's kind of, you know, I, I often feel that in a city you're, you're, you're pretty um, anonymous and some people love that mm-hmm. and some people that really works great or um, or whatever. But for this woman, she found that during this pandemic, all of a sudden they were starting to get to know each other and they were starting to reach out to each other because they all felt so isolated. And I was thinking that one of the things about being such a small church and being such a small rural community with 862 people or whatever we have today in Basha, um, is that when you gather as a community of faith and there's only 20 or 25 people in the building, or when you're trying to organize a Bible study, or when you're trying to organize a, a Monday evening gathering where you're going to, you know, watch some videos and enjoy some live music, um, if you don't, in, if you're not explicitly intentional about making that event um, appealing and welcoming to every age group and every demographic and every, you know, you stratify that across your entire community to try to. Uh, welcome anyone you can you're you're only going to have two or three people exactly (laughs) kind of have to and and the beautiful thing is that like we said before then all of a sudden you have a 10 year old and a 70 year old and a 24 year old (laughs) that's hung over or just exhausted from an an all-night bender of disney movies and (laughs) and you find a common ground that you maybe wouldn't have found if you were in a city where you you thought you know what we need a friday night youth night and we have mm-hmm. so many hundreds of people that will make this Friday night youth night um, just for 13 to 16 year olds. Well, yeah. that's great, but it it also is not creating the kind of community that that spans across all those demographics and ages and all the other things that we've been talking about. And and our expectations change a little bit. And and I remember as as a teen in Red Deer, and I, I was pretty involved with youth council here we it was definitely during a dwindling time that I was a teen so there was yeah five kids in my youth group and that's in an urban church I mean Red Deer's urban yeah Um, wow and then that that was you know senior high and junior high youth combined and then when we would plan events kind of for at the time what was Red Deer Presbytery um, and if we had you know 14 kids sign up 
that was a win. That was a lot of kids. And and you compare it to, and, and this, this is where it sucks, right? Because we, we compare ourselves and we judge ourselves based on others. And that's just gets in our heads. But, you know, I had friends who would go to these more conservative church youth rallies with thousands of kids. But the message was very different. The community was very different, not accepting in the way that I needed it to be. So to have my, you know, weekend youth rally with 14 friends from across the province, that was, that was what I needed at that time in my life. And, and I had different expectations for my, my spiritual path than maybe those friends in other congregations in other denominations. And yeah, that, that, broad universalities is impossible but if if you're intentionally inviting people saying hey sarah come to church hey jim come to bible study with me and that that was something that very quickly showed me why bashaw was the right place for me because people who you know i hadn't met before were willing to come up and introduce themselves to me and it didn't matter our age difference it didn't matter if they knew who I was it was you know I could sit down and have a conversation and and I I use that example already but that's for me that social aspect of church is really vital it's it's not just quietly praying it's I want to hear the voices singing beside me I want to hear you know the off-key guy in his 60s and I want to hear the little kids screaming like that's church (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm laughing because it's it's so perfect and I think anybody who um, is part of any church family will will relate to that so uh, one thing I'm really curious about Kelly is I I'm sure that your your spiritual journey has been all over the place and like you said you've you have um, visited or tried out um, I'm most of us have had that experience of shopping or searching Mm -hmm for a new home church when when you walk in the door of a church building and you have someone approach you um and whether it goes horribly or whether (laughs) it goes really well do you how do you like to be approached as someone who who does identify as part of the lgbtq2 uh 2s plus community um and what are some words of maybe advice to someone like myself or someone who's older or someone who's more conservative or whatever right. it might be to say, you know, I'm a human being here. And <laughs> like you have a husband who yeah. is atheist yeah, and you are obviously not and don't identify as, as straight. So yeah. I can see how that, that whole, <laughs> that whole um, package can, can, can uh, come across as confusing or people may be like, Oh, how do I approach her? What totally. how do I ask about all of this stuff? What would be some, uh, some of your advice? So the, the biggest thing, like upon meeting someone for the first time, if, if someone shakes my hand and says, and I'm just going to use you for example, hi, I'm Ben. My pronouns are he, him, welcome to church. And that's all it has to be to cue, to code to that, queer person hey this person knows what's up they've they've just included this extra little bit in their introduction these two words these two pronouns and now I can respond in kind I can say hey I'm Kel I use she and they thanks for having me and and then that puts both people at ease and and it's clear from from a gender perspective for sure Um, I think kind of the other parts of it too, like when, when I do talk about my husband, you know, I I say husband, spouse, partner, and it's all about vocabulary. It's, it's about that language. And most people know all those words, like those, they're not new. (laughs) (laughs) So true. And, and, you know, I've even, I've, I've said to Matt a couple times, my, my husband, like, do you care what I call you? And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's like you're you're the one who's who's the minority I'm just some white guy who's chilling with you <laughs> I might be I paraphrasing <laughs> but you know the, the other thing too a little bit about um I, I kind of touched on this before that that idea of assuming young people are going to follow a certain path so rather than saying to someone oh, do you have a husband and kids? 
you know, saying something like, are you seeing anybody? Um, what, what does your family look like? And, and, and it's phrasing our questions just a little bit differently. And it can mm. be awkward at first. It, it takes some trial and error. I mean, like I moved back to Red Deer. I lived here as a teenager. I've, I've come out as bi. I've come out as um, genderqueer. So to come back to a conservative city and stay out I kind of have to pick my battles like, okay, I have a five minute interaction with someone at the grocery store. That's not enough time <laughs> to like <laughs> and tell is them, it hey. worth it or necessary. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But, but when, when you're seeking a church family, when you're, when you're mm. looking for a congregation, you're, you're going to go sit for an hour, hour and a half, have some coffee with somebody and, and you want to feel that, that ease and comfort and that, that this is a place where you fit in. So well, not, not only uh, do you want it to be comfortable, but I think you also want to be seen and and understood. You want your sense of identity to not be something that you have to kind of keep stuffed in your in your backpack or your purse or whatever <laughs> it is you might be yeah. carrying that that it's this thing to hide. You want to be really seen for who you truly are, who how, mm-hmm. and how you identify. And so and, if, and that's if church just, isn't the safe place to, to, to let that out, then what is? Yeah, totally. And, and I think too, once, once you've realized, oh, this is a safe place for me, that people now know this about me, but they also realize it's just one aspect of who I am. And, and that, while it, does, it is deeply personal and it does define you to some extent, it's not the only thing that defines you. So being able to talk to people about music, to talk to people about teaching, to talk about camping on Camping Sunday, that's just part of getting to know a person, right? That that repeated interaction and figuring out their interests and where do you agree and where do you disagree and mm-hmm. what do you like to talk about? What parts of your life do you have in common? And, and I, I feel like that's something we say to kids all the time, right? Like look for what you have in common with someone. Yeah. Don't just put them down for being different like build them up and we like I teach elementary right now and as we've moved to online I have to teach my kids how to have conversations in a way that I didn't have to in person at school but you know a kid sent me a message the other day that just said three o'clock question mark (laughs) and I'm like you have to you have to phrase an entire question (laughs) so that I know what you want me to do at three (laughs) o'clock Yeah, and, you, and you even, might be getting like a math question and all of a sudden realize, okay, this is a uh, language arts teachable moment here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. So that, that idea of, of learning how to converse, and, and, and I think even five years ago, there was a real big challenge in, in the queer community of we don't want to be policing people's language all the time. We don't want to be saying this is what you say and this is what you don't say. We want to give people tools, and if if the words change, that they then be like, oh, well, I can just ask about, oh, that word doesn't work anymore. What can I say instead? Or just having that moment of, oh, I'm assuming this person wants kids, but I don't actually know anything about their reproductive history, so I'm not going to like assume that about them. And that's, again, just how the society has changed, mm-hmm. and and that when 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 i kind of grew up and and got married and i realized i don't have to follow the path i don't have to you know have whatever 2.5 kids i forget what the stat yeah, is it's like yeah and that's that's what some people want that might not be what i want but obviously i still love kids right like i work with kids every day and to to have that idea of church family that, you know, I can have brothers and sisters of different ages and, you know, I can be Andrea's cat's aunt. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's just, a, it's a different reality than it was 30 years ago because society has opened up and, mm. and that's, that's the trend, right? That's it's, I, we're never going to go backwards on these equal rights. Mm. If we do, that's the whole other <laughs> dystopian future. We're already in one dystopian future. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to go into another. Let's one. not go there. But no, it is. Um, there's. Uh, it's a very gradual and uh, uh, interesting way that we're shifting, and it's and 
obviously we're, some of those changes are accelerating now because of the pandemic that we're in. Do you see specific to this last couple months of being in lockdown and all of the ways that society is changing all around us, um, that that's having any impact on gender rights or on um, any of the the biggest the biggest worry i have from from my world view is that people are in one or maybe two geographical places right they might be at the grocery store and their house and depending on their living situation they might not be able to be out at either of those places maybe they were able to be out at school or they were able to be out at church but they're not at home and that mm. can be really taxing and painful and detrimental to someone's health. And especially when I think about kids, like when, when kids are coming out at that, that early stage, you know, as, as teenagers or when it comes to gender being possibly even younger, that, you know, it's, it's our job as adults to be even more loud and affirming and proud and accepting and say, you know, maybe, maybe you can't be out. Maybe you can't even have the microphone on when you're doing church, but if you can listen to our family and, and hear the words of acceptance that we're putting out into the world, you can at least have an hour of your week that you know, you are loved, not just by God, but by a community and that that you are a, a person who identifies as a minority who is valid and that you know the 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 phrase it gets better it doesn't help a kid in the moment but giving them literally like like I said before like explicitly the words that you know we welcome people of all sexual orientations and gender identities and we acknowledge you know treaty land and we um, are talking from a place of technological privilege like that is is so small right it's like two sentences but that mm. can help a person get through being back in the closet and and that's you know mm. awful awful feeling Oh, God, I can't even imagine. Like, I, I think it's, this is so ignorant of me to even say this, but I, I feel like it's, it's easy to not realize that for a lot of people, they are in the closet or out, depending on where they are. I, I hadn't really thought about that very much that, and I have lots of people that, who I love who um, identify as gay and other um, parts of that spectrum. But I I kind of just had it ignorantly as you're either out or you're not out. You know what I mean? Like you come out and when yeah. you come out, you come out to everyone, but obviously that's not how it works. And you come out in stages or you come out to your close friends and then you yeah. come out to smaller social circles where you feel safe and specific places that you feel safe. Totally. Maybe you have um, specific social gathering places where you know that you're going to be accepted. Maybe that is a church. Maybe it's a nightclub. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. But then, um, there's obviously for a lot of people uh, home situations where they're anything but safe. And during this pandemic, it would be so emotionally just stressful and taxing to not feel like you can be your full, fully expressed self in your very own home. Yeah. That, that idea of you're, you're out in stages or in parts and the, the fear as as you know whether you're a young person coming out or an old person coming out that if you slip up if you make a mistake if you accidentally out yourself that you might not have the ability to leave that place and you know I obviously I have a car I have like my parents house that I could go to but you know my my mom's like an immuno risk so I don't want to go to her house and I, I don't want to go to like a friend's house because I haven't seen my friends in months and I have no idea what their social circle is for germs right now. So, you know, obviously I've had lots of conversations with my partner about my identity over the years. You know, we, we've been together for 12 years. So he was there for every possible coming out I've ever had and gets so sick of me coming out. He's like, ah, gosh, like, why do you have to keep doing this? Don't people get it? <laughs> 
like, well, <laughs> here we are. Well, it sounds like you're really lucky to have a partner who um, obviously just loves you for who you are, not for your how you identify or not for yeah. your orientation. And I, I don't know, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like in the context of a marriage to uh, to walk through that with someone. But like, ama- amazing that you have that supportive of a partner. But I, it was, I guess... No, I, I, just, I was just going to say the when when I um, decided to kind of stay out as a teacher, because um, my kids call me Mix Henry, M-X, hmm. and that's not again the most like common prefix in the world um and so my husband made the joke he's like well you're you're a music teacher yeah and you you do your mix henry so you're like mixing the music so you're like a dj and i'm like oh man you went for the pun <laughs> and dj even, mix henry and he even finds humor in it i love oh, this yeah. guy yeah <laughs> me too uh, <laughs> but i think the point that you were kind of getting towards there kelly is that um, not everyone is so fortunate to have a partner or someone that they're sharing a domestic situation with, um, living situation with, who they can feel safe being their full self and being fully expressed and, and coming out to. And that if you're in a relationship, whether it's a spousal relationship or a dating relationship or a parent-child relationship, and you feel that tension of this person I'm living with during a pandemic... doesn't know this side of me and how do you either continue to hide that or navigate sharing that with that person that you have to stay safely cohabitating with um, and maybe don't have a place to to run to and there's there's a lot of um recent history of of queer people connecting online right since since the advent of the internet so many things have changed in our society, mm. but the ability for queer people to connect with each other and support each other, no matter if you're urban or rural, um, that that has been really monumental in the, the societal changes we've seen towards equal rights. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I was watching a, a drag show on Zoom and 10 years ago, I would have had no idea. (laughs) Right. Like that's, that's crazy. But, but those are those, those moments of connection that you found a community that you can hang out with online and, and those people affirm who you are and they give back Mm -hmm. to you and they nourish your soul. And they, you know, even, even if it's, you know, a lighthearted comedy sketch or if it's you know a deep conversation at church if it's a a, a coffee chat with one person one-on-one if you have that ability to connect online you know you gotta you gotta use that tool when when you can yeah it's it's uh it's such a weird time to be alive right now isn't it because we're facing something that almost nobody alive on the planet today has experienced Mm -hmm. something to this degree i mean like we, we look for clues and, uh, and lessons uh, in how the world responded to things like the Spanish influenza 102 years ago. And <laughs> there's a few people that were maybe babies <laughs> then, but for the most part, this is kind of the first time around at, at trying to navigate through something like this for almost all of us. Mm-hmm. And yet we're doing it at a time where technology is so vastly different from anything experienced mm. by humans for tens of thousands of years before us and and the the knowledge we have about germs and vaccines and viruses and bacteria like the scientific progress we've made you know has given us like this it's it's weird right it's like i'm trying to imagine what it would be like if this pandemic had hit pre-internet and like we're yeah. all googling symptoms right like <laughs> And, and that, that just little, like those are in my world, like that's two pieces of science, right? A, you can Google things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like you've got like your computer technology, but then also you have doctors who are able to tell you the symptoms and understand that they're connected to this particular thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was reading through the symptoms when this kind of first was happening in March. And one of them was, um, are you having a hard time getting out of bed? And I was like, well, yeah, but that's depression. Like that's, <laughs> that's me every day. That's not a symptom for COVID. That's just my other problems in my health life. 
Oh, that's so true. It's like this um, it, this inflection point in multiple spheres of hum of humanity or in human life. Te this technological um, inflection point in terms of communications, but also in terms of how far advanced our science has become in understanding the disease, in understanding things like transmission, mm -hmm. in understanding things like um, um, epidemiology and immunology. Yeah, uh, create how to how to um, create immunity and herd immunity and through vaccines and yeah. or through getting the disease and recovery and plasma fusions and all this stuff that <laughs> you know a tiny fraction of one percent of us actually understand and we all get to benefit from <laughs> and and similarly to that you know we don't all have to understand um how to build community how to be how to create safe and inclusive welcoming spaces if you have the leadership and the, the the small number of people who can implement and and push us forward in in these things, and then we all get to benefit from it. Yeah, it's kind of similar um, to that. And so, um, kind of bringing us full circle here, and then we can kind of wrap it up. But I, I think that um, your story is such a beautiful example of what can happen when we have leaders like Robin and Jackie and Andrea and and Lori and all of the other people in our Absolutely. faith community who have said, you know what, this is really important to us that we be explicit and we be intentional and we be visible in our statement of uh, our statements of faith and our and values as a community so that people do know that this is a safe exactly. and welcoming place to be, to come and join us for a Sunday service, to come and be a member. And yeah. you can live in Red Deer or Edmonton, and that's okay too. <laughs> you can even like cats and beets, and we'll, we'll still accept you. <laughs> so, well, you know, he does have the Star Wars dogs, so that's going to bring us together. Yeah, that's that the... kind of makes up for it, right? <laughs> I think so. We can find common ground. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Well, Kelly, this has been so much fun, and I'm glad that we were finally able to figure out a time that would work to do this yes, me through too. technology. We've been meaning to, to connect and have a conversation for the podcast for a few weeks now and life is, is busy. So thank yeah. you for uh, setting this time aside. My pleasure. For anyone who listening, who uh, relates to or resonates with uh, pieces of Kelly's story and is maybe struggling right now. Um, Kelly, do you have any, final words of uh, just encouragement or assurance or advice or places to maybe send people that they could um, learn more. Yeah, you betcha. Um, as, as I mentioned, just traveling around Alberta has given me um, a few different spots that I really like. Um, the Pride Center of Edmonton has really good resources. There's a website called the Rainbow Pages that's great for families. And um, if, if you're a young person needing help, if, if you're in crisis, or even if you're just like having a bad day, um, there's, there's Kids Help Phone, which is fantastic for talking to somebody. Uh, and there's also um, Better Help, which is a mental health service mm. that is really important. Um, and I think the, the thing that I want to say is, is, yeah, find people who are in your corner who love you and affirm your identity and you know some of them are in this podcast some of them are in this faith community and if if you reach out and you say hey I need I need a friend I need a shoulder I need a distraction I I need to be validated those are all important feelings and and whatever you are feeling whether you're you're queer or straight, black or gay or Asian or who knows, if if you're having a tough time, you're allowed to have a tough time. This is not a great world moment. So cry, punch a pillow, call your mom, whoever you need, like connect with someone. Don't be alone in your house. Now more than ever, it's uh, brings so many things to light that we probably should have been talking about and, and taking action on for a lot of years before um, the last month or two. And so I think there's a lot of good that's going to come out of um, what's otherwise a really horrible crisis mm -hmm. and that will emerge as faith communities much stronger for it in the end, is my hope. 
Um, so thank you for sharing some of those resources, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, we sure love you. And you're right that anyone out there listening um, that uh, is struggling right now, you're not alone and you are loved and you are um, whole and complete and perfect exactly as you are. And we're glad that you're listening and that you're part of this community. Um, so again, Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, truly. And thank you everybody so much for listening today. Hope that, um, that you got lots out of this conversation between Kelly and I today. And we look forward to the next time you join us on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Until then, stay well, take care.